Episode four of a podcast greater than yourself. I'm John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. So this week we sat down with our friend Agent X to talk about resentments. She's another one of the lovely people we've met through expanding our AA community via Zoom thanks to the global pandemic. She is one of those people who every time I listen to her speak, I either get something out of like I, I literally pull something from her that I gonna use later and she just fills me with the most incredible energy and passion for alcoholics anonymous it's i love her yeah it's easy to get cranked up listening to her she's She's uh, very passionate very passionate and very engaging so just an audio note there are a few little glitches and stuff the connection from the other side of the globe through zoom wasn't uh really working out to our advantage if that hurts your sensitive fucking ears, then, you know, drop us a line at our email address. <laughs> Podcast greater than yourself at gmail.com. All right. Enjoy the, the show. Okay. Awesome. So sorry. It's okay. I was like pushing buttons and I'm like, that did the opposite of working. You need to uh, smear a little bit extra... Vegemite on the uh, the treadmill platform <laughs> to motivate the kangaroos to walk faster to get your internet cranking. <laughs> uh, I wish that wasn't almost true. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a perfect introduction for you to start with your reading. Uh, so I'm in, in step 10 because it says that even though we have all the tools, even though we've done all the stuff, that the resentment doesn't just go away, right? So even, I mean, all of it, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly. If we have harmed anyone, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. You know, just as someone who's been here a while, like I always have to kind of retouch back on, I don't get to float around the universe, you know? And I think this is what um, newcomers don't understand that life is still gets complicated. It still gets painful and it still gets hard and I still get angry and I still, you know, but it tells me in about three sentences, the way that I'm going to be able to live because I didn't, I, you know, people would be like, your drinking is a problem. Your drugs are a problem. These are the problems. I'm like, pretty sure that's the solution. And turns out, you know, that the problem was just living, being alive, sober was the problem. Mm-hmm. So this is telling me mm-hmm. that, um, and then we find out in step four, like what the root of those problems is. Well, it is all these things. It is the way that my, my brain is processing pain in the world and fears and, and all the shit. It's all these places that I'm putting myself in the position to be hurt, but we're doing all this work. We make all these amends. We have a brand new outlook on life, but it says, it's just shit's, I'm going to keep getting angry. Like stuff's going to pop up. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I see in some of my sponsees is that we'll get through the book. They'll do all the things initially. And then the first resentment they get, they're like, Oh shit, we have to drink about it. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like it's telling us that this is going to keep happening happening that the pain's going to keep coming that these things are still going to and and we have to look at what's the root of alcoholism well i'm restless irritable and discontent i thought i was drinking for all those powerpoint presentation reasons Mm -hmm. the truth is if especially at the end 
I was restless, irritable, and discontent. Why did I pick up that drink at 1030 in the morning? It's because I was bored, restless, irritable, angry, or discontent. I wasn't getting what the fuck I wanted. There was no other reason. And when you really get honest, that's why I'm drinking. I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. And that that's still going to come up. And I think that talking as a recovered person, you know, it says we are not saints. And I have to say that to my sponsees, like, don't put me up on a pedestal. I still have shitty shit shit that comes out, you know, like, like, uh, yes, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Yes, I improve all the time. Yes, I'm growing towards, you know, God's image will for me all the time. It gets better. But like, I'd still be nasty, you know? Mm. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, God is the perfect ideal, not me. Like mm. I'm tr- that I've always thought like um, if God is perfect love and tolerance, then my job is to try to grow towards that, you know. And so the way that I try to use a barometer is like if when I look back on a situation, I say if God had walked into that room, how would He have treated those people? What would He have said? Because God would be perfect. He can't fuck up. He cannot make him a he or whatever. It cannot make a goddess. I got. Uh, somebody yelled at me on Instagram for using that term the other day because I did it mockingly. Um, so, uh, but if, you know, so it tracks it. Yep. Uh, when, when God walks into the room, it's perfect love and tolerance, but I am not God. I'm a, I'm a human being having a spiritual experience and I sleepwalk even sober, even recovered through the majority of my fucking life. I sleepwalk. And my prayer to God every day is not, God, please don't let me drink today. Please don't let anybody offer me a fucking drink today. My my prayer to God every day is, hey, when the shit is in front of me, wake me up. Right. Allow me to see it, right? Whether that's being rude to my family or that's not showing up at my job or it's telling lies or it's holding on to things or whatever it is, you know? And uh, I'm so glad you... I actually almost picked this reading. Uh, so I'm so glad that you did. And um, nothing makes me happier than reading the most clear-cut fucking directions in the book <laughs> that are yet somehow the most misinterpreted so <laughs> directions in the book. Like, I love going to meetings where people talk about step 10 or step 11, and then they explain the opposite one. And I just yes, read this always. part, and I'm like, I don't know how you guys are missing this. It's literally right fucking here. Yeah. Um, it, it's so it's, it's like four things. You just boom, boom, knock it out, you know? And, um, and if you, and the thing is, is that's why we have step 11. Cause if you don't catch it in 10, it's okay. You're gonna, right. If you're doing 11, it's hard not to catch it. You know, it's hard. It's hard to fall too far from God when you're checking in every 12 hours. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really, really made a lady upset one time when I was asked to speak because if if I do my whole story, I'll I'll go through all the steps. Like here's what I did yeah. in the steps, and um, this woman was just writhing in pain through the whole talk, and I only talked for like forty minutes maybe because I'm like I'm not gonna stretch this out, you know. Um, and it was a speaker meeting, so it was like an hour or whatever. We ended short, so she's sitting like right in front of the podium, like maybe ten feet from the podium. There's like six, seven people between me and her. And there's probably like 80, 90 people in the room. And the entire time she is just, uh, just like, just doing this, like a full body eye roll to like all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I, 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 uh, like sent her into full, full blown convulsions when I said, uh, 
yeah, there's five things. Watch, <laughs> you know, ask. You know, I went through the things and I was like, resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. So if I don't, mm-hmm. if I don't end a 10 step by turning my thoughts to someone I can be useful to, I have not done a 10 step. And this lady was just like, right. oh, whoa, just <laughs> lost her mind at the thought of me saying that you should help people. <laughs> I'm just like, again, remember, I started this talk by saying that I'm going to talk about Alcoholics Anonymous because it's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what well, you're doing. So we always have this conversation that a recovered alcoholic is... Um, is an endangered species at this point and and that coming into an AA meeting and discussing AA is is something that we now have to defend. How but, dare you? Um I know mm. it, it it does get a little bit ridiculous, but just following this, I think that you know we keep our passion is because of the true miracle that this always is and keeping stocked a stock tank of recovery around me, you know, just reminding just the fact that I'm sober today and as being a hopeless, you know, degenerate, like piece of crap alcoholic that was being tortured by my act of alcoholism. But when I do this, then we, this is when we get the life that's promised in the 10th step promise. This is, this is when, you know, that I'm no longer fighting alcohol, that my life becomes super sane and manageable. And, um, the serenity starts coming. I stop fighting everything and anyone, including alcohol, like I become sane. So, so I don't do this because I want to, I do this because of the side effects that I get from it. Right. I'm not constantly looking for my fault because I find that fun. Actually, nothing has been fun in any of the steps. Like each, each step up to this point has been a huge slice of humble pie. Mm. And I don't want to do any of it. I think when you you get a bunch of people like us in a room, a newcomer's like, oh, they just love AA. They just love these meetings. <laughs> they just love doing the sport. They just yeah. love helping newcomers. I'm like, yes, I love 37 calls a day about other people's problems. You know, yeah. like, I don't actually like any of this stuff. But the side effect mm. is the fact that I get to uh, live comfortably sober. Mm. And if you are a hopeless you know being tortured alcoholic like i was that's a pretty profound miracle so i'm gonna do this i'm gonna you know find where i'm at fault over and over and over and make these stupid amends over and over and over for the side effect not for the act of wanting to do any of it there's a great line in a in a book and i i'm not going to mention it because i'm not sure if it's conference approved or not wouldn't want to give out any recommendations but there's a great line of book and it's it's basically this guy talking about his recovery and he's he says um you know people ask him well how do you know that it's working like how do you know for real that god is working in your life and he's like that's so fucking easy because i've never had it so good yeah (laughs) because i've never had it so good you know like my life is fucking miraculous it is a miracle like um to go from where i was uh to where i am today uh, i always say like the map doesn't exist there is no road map to get you from (laughs) homeless suicidal meth addict to the life that i have that doesn't there's no rehab center there's no book there's nothing the only it's 
it's God or nothing, you know, and only God has the power to make that kind of move happen. And so I agree a hundred percent. Like I don't do this because I'm better than I don't do this because I think it makes me cool. I do this no. because uh, God hooked me up with a fucking incredible life and it's my honor mm -hmm. and it's my privilege, yeah, privilege. To, to serve, you know? And I will just Absolutely. add to that. I continue to work the steps essentially because I like the effect produced. Right. Amen, exactly. Brother. I love that. Absolutely. The town of Akron, Ohio was a quaint, picturesque hamlet straight out of a Norman Rockwell painting. Across the city, grateful, recovering alcoholics met freely to create the fellowship they craved sharing experience, strength, and hope in order to help each other recover from substance use disorder. We tried going to nine meetings per week? Until one fateful night, which would test the power of their group of drunks and turn their sober support structure upside down. Well, have you been waking up every morning and looking at yourself in the mirror and reminding yourself that you're powerless? Oh, I don't know. I guess. Creature Features presents How is your nightly gratitude list going? A Dr. Silkworth production Not well Night of the Meeting Makers Welcome to the new vision of horror Where helping others means picking up your own cigarette butt Throwing your disposable coffee cup into the trash can and begrudgingly giving a smelly guy a ride back to the halfway house. A topsy-turvy world where 12-step work is checking in with other alcoholics. fellowship of men and women who come together to drink coffee, spout off cute one-liners, complain about their personal problems, and completely misrepresent the spiritual program of action, Alcoholics Anonymous. So Fred, what was your, what was your resentment reading? So 
Uh, I chose a reading that is so on the nail. It's I'm going to read step four. Okay. Amazing. So page 59 for those following along. Page 59 for those following along. It's the fourth one down. <laughs> it's it's numbered four. It actually has a number next to it. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And uh, the reason that I chose um, this reading is because I feel like as I talk about every time, like I needed so much to have this stuff explained to me in the most uh, academic way possible that when I hear the word moral, what I think of is right and wrong. But the way it was explained to me was so much that we're looking for right and wrong. I feel like people think the four step is a list of everything I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't think of it that way. I think of it as a discovery process and what, and I think it's important to understand what the goal of the step is to really work the step. And so it was important to have it explained to me that if we're speaking about the story, like the moral of a story is a lesson learned. Right. And so in my opinion, like the, we're trying to get to is what is the underlying theme that has been rampant in my life since whenever, like for me, it's basically day one. I mean, I was the guy who in fourth grade laid in bed at night, planning my own suicide. <laughs> it's not normal behavior for like a nine-year-old. You know what I mean? It's just not, well, maybe it, like everybody who's listening to this is like, yeah, I did the same fucking thing. I did the but same thing. Yeah. <laughs> normal people. You know what I mean? Guilty. So like, yeah. So, um, you know, so so the definition for moral, if you look it up as in a, a, as in being moral is is to be concerned with right and wrong. But if you're looking up what is the definition of moral of the story? And so with my sponsees, I always use the example of, you know, that just as the most basic one I always can think of is a tortoise and the hare, right? And so the story is about a race, but the moral of the story is, is slow and steady wins the race, right? And so the moral of the story is, oh, just do your best and try this and whatever. And so what I discovered in my fourth step was not that, you know, I got in a fight with Johnny in sixth grade behind, you know, the school at the pine tree. And then I made out with, you know, Susie in seventh grade. And then I did this and then I did. And it wasn't just this, this like uh, plotting of events that had happened in my life. It was the underlying causes, you know, it was like, what caused me to be self-centered? What caused me um, to, uh, to live my life by self-propulsion. Why was it that all these decisions were born out of fear? Um, you know, and it caused me to look at those things. And what I discovered was that once I had gotten through, let's say a handful of them, six, eight, ten of them, um, it was pretty easy to see that it was a very consistent theme. Mm -hmm. That every after that, it was like it felt like I was just copying and pasting. <laughs> yeah. And it was like every relationship had the same exact fucking result. It's like every time it's like, I got angry because I'm this and you're doing this wrong. Then it went through and that was, and so by the time I'd get to however many, it was like, oh yeah, done. I get it. Like I understand what it was, you know, that, that made it that way. So, mm -hmm. um, so I love that part. And I just feel like what, again, when I was new, when I read the steps on the, the wall, when I did the 12 <clears throat> steps, when I was, uh, you know, 30 when i was 30 days sober coming out of treatment and i got pushed off to an aa meeting and i immediately walked in read the 12 steps and did them all in my head in my mind when i read the word moral it meant right or wrong and when i actually did it with a sponsor it just meant something very different 
Yeah. And I think that further on in how it works, it's really useful that they, they kind of, they highlight all that stuff that you're talking about, about like mm-hmm. causes and conditions, obviously. But then in that paragraph on 40 on 64, where it, it uh, cause a lot of the times when somebody's not approached the steps before the first time when you sit down with somebody like a, they almost always have some fucking asshole in their ear. Who's like, Ooh, step four, you're going to die. You know, like, it's horrible. Oh, or you got a whole fucking room full of people. Anytime it's a step four meeting, who are like, oh, God, I hated that. I'll never, you know what I mean? And it's just like, what? And so, like, when I sit down with somebody, I'm always like, okay, cool. So, firstly, especially if they've ever looked at the step work or if they're coming in on treatment, like, firstly, can you can you sit down and look at this with fresh eyes with me and just put aside everything else and we're just going to do what the book mm-hmm. says? That's first. Secondly, like when you're getting into this part of the step work, there's still some of that like kind of, I don't know, baroque language for some younger people or some people who, you know, their their reality is not like, you know, reading mid-century literature, you know. They're kind of mm-hmm. like what does that mean? And that's kind of to your point of like searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. So I feel like it's so useful in 64 they they where he breaks down where it's like a commercial inventory. Yeah. And it says it's fact finding, yeah. fact facing, which sounds a lot like fearless and searching, right? Mm-hmm. So I always break it down about like, you know, I'd worked in so many kitchens and it's just like like you're saying this whole like life story thing and you know just kind of talking about everything I've ever done. When I, when I sit down with somebody, I'm trying to make it clear, like, the four-step is not, is let's, let's act like this is a food order at a restaurant, right? And you're going to count your cans of tomato sauce, your pizzeria, you're going to count your boxes of mushrooms, your pepperoni, whatever. And, like, column after column, we're not looking for paragraph on paragraph of, like, what happened to the cans of tomato sauce that are bad, you know? It's just, I got four cans of tomato sauce, two of them are bad. I'm not mm. writing paragraphs on my food order about, well, the usual guy who drives the truck was sick and his cousin filled in for him and he he's kind of touched and he dropped some cans mm. and they got damaged. I'm not going into that shit. Two of them are bad. Move on. Next. Fact finding, fact facing. And like setting a tone to where it's like, we're looking for information. We're not looking for some uh, deep story about every single person you ever disliked, right? We're just moving forward. And there's so many different ways that people do the four step that the inventory itself from, you know, I've heard like the top 10 kind of approach and then, you know, all back to the, all the way back to like Akron groups in the early days with like an assets and liabilities checklist. And it's like, everything's already written and you're just like ticking off boxes. Cause when you talk to those guys and you hear how long, like an inventory took, they're talking like an hour and a half you know, totally. And it's become a total different thing where it's like this mincing, flaccid, useless or pointless for people like me, uh, life exploration. And it's just like mm-hmm. thousands of resentments. 
mm. novels of resentments. Yeah, years that this is taking people. It can take people years to write down everything they're upset about. And that's what they're saying when it says thorough. You know, I think the word thorough as well is just completely taken out of context. You know, uh, the truth is, is that we did this, the top 10 as well. Like, give me your top 10 worst. And that's easy to come out of me. And you know, Joe from third grade becomes very less important when we get through the resentment on my fucking father, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my, yep, like exactly. so I'm, I'm released of my father 34-year resentment. That's what, you know, Joe doesn't seem as important after that. So when I came into that step four, I had pie charts and bar graphs and a laser fucking pointer to tell you what other people had done to me and them being the problem and what the resentments look like. That was easy. I could not wait to do a step four. I was like, you're (laughs) going to feel so sorry for me. And that was my (laughs) MO, right? Like I couldn't wait for another person to be like, wow, your life was so hard, you know, because that's what I'd been running on for 30 years Hmm. was Mm -hmm. that resentment inventory. And um, I was so excited for her to feel bad for me. And then we get there and, you know, by the end of that, none of those things, being true nor relevant in my life or in any way able to keep, you know, conducive to a sober life mm-hmm. is the greatest gift of the program initially, I believe. Yeah. And like to that point, I spent like my whole waking life and a lot of my dreams uh, living in the first two columns of a four step. Mm. And if, if I got a hold of the right drug, the third column, you know, depending, <laughs> just sitting there obsessively breaking down, you know, every part of me that was harmed. Um, and so for me, like the, the M night Shyamalan aspect of the four step is this, awesome. this, you know, page 67, uh, you know, putting out of our, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds, the wrongs others had done. We resolutely look mm-hmm. at our own mistakes and like, halfway through a four step like 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 fred said if you're not seeing like this broken record thing mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure you're doing the four step right you know no i, I need you and to be exhausted by yourself like right. I, exactly. by the middle of the fourth the fourth column you need to be like fuck this guy who is me right <laughs> like i need to be exhausted i need to be so sick of myself halfway through that four step otherwise we probably aren't hitting the nail And also like, I mean, I don't know, it sounds like Agent X and I had a similar experience with how we actually processed it. And I'm glad you said, John, that there's a million ways. I don't know there's a million. There's a lot of different ways. I'm not judging anybody's way. There's 17 ways. I did it. Yeah, there's seven, exactly 17, (laughs) not a fucking one more. All right. No. So I'm 15 or wrong. When I was new... Uh, the first time when I didn't get sober, I was so concerned with how everybody else was working their four step and like everybody had yes. a little different way. And I was so consumed with it because I was unrecovered. So I was consumed with everyone else and how it affected me and all this. And um, when I was finally so broken that I was able to actually do a four step the right way, uh, or, or excuse me, just do a four step all the way through, um, you know, what I found was that it was extremely painful. Those first few, like, you know, Asian X said, like those first few were really difficult getting through those treacherous ones. But once I would get to a point where we would be hysterically laughing at Mm -hmm. the absurdity. And I've always found that if I can get a sponsee to, to, to see the absurdity in their four step, um, it is an excellent sign of what's to come. You know, I can't promise they're going to do their amends, but if they can see that, um, cause you know, that is really the difference between, I always, you know, this is where 
you separate the people who can tell the truth to themselves and the people who can't tell the truth to themselves. And, um, and, and if they can't see the absurdity in it and they're still arguing against me, then I, I don't have a lot of hope for those people. Do you want to be at an alcohol and drug rehabilitation center, but have no desire whatsoever to be sober? At Revolving Hills Malibu, the difference is we're honest about what we're doing. Most treatment centers will lie to your face to get you in the front door. That will never happen at Revolving Hills Malibu. At Revolving Hills Malibu, we'll tell you the truth, because you deserve it. And the truth is this. 12-step programs? Fuck those. We're not interested in you getting well. We want you to come back again and again. Actual recovery is bad for business. Wanna fuck one of our techs? Nothing hard about that. In fact, on that topic, the only thing that is hard is the cock of CEO and founder of Revolving Hills Malibu, Barry Rosenstein, whenever a hot new girl checks in. You wanna come here and keep doing drugs? Fine with us. We'll actually pay you to relapse. Yeah, that's right, we'll pay you to relapse. The more often you relapse, the more often we can bill your insurance and say you're all fucked up. Believe me, a lot of people do it, but again, the difference is we're honest about what we do. We're not gonna try and hide it. Will we sell your clean pee? You bet. Will we sell dirty pee? Gold. Will we sell your shit when you quote-unquote AMA? You bet we will if we can. Fuck. This is a business. At Revolving Hills Malibu, don't worry about doing anything. We'll say that you go to IOP. We'll say that you go to therapy. We'll say that you go to the gym. We'll say that you go to 12-step meetings. But what you're really going to do is exactly what you want to do, which is lie around all fucking day. Want your phone? We'll give it to you. We don't care. Whatever will keep you on the couch all day long, month after month, if we get our way, year after year. Visit our website today, revolvinghillsofmalibu.com. Revolving Hills Malibu. So the reading that I chose is um, also on 67. Um, and it's just, you know, it's the sick man prayer. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. Um, it would be easy as hell, um, for me to take the, uh, the cheap shot at, uh, people who, tell you that the AA party line on resentment is to, you know, pray for the guy you hate to get everything he wants in the world for two weeks. And then your resentment old poof, Alakazam go away. Um, and I guess I'm sort of backdoor shitting on that. But, um, the, (laughs) the reason I chose that is because exactly what agent X was just talking about. There's this, um, both you guys, there's this turn, that happens when I look at resentments through the process laid out in the book that enables me for the first time in my life in a lot of cases to see that I'm not the victim, but I'm an active participant. And 
in a lot of the instances I I started the ball rolling in these situations that like dominated my thinking and made me hateful and bitter. And the 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 thing that I find really remarkable about that little paragraph there is that there's a concept there that I'm like I'm I'm already practicing in areas of my life. Uh, kind of at the core of that is the idea of like grace, you know, like it's this double standard that I like go through a life with where my neighbor's kid throws a baseball through my window. Um, I just, I'm the type of person where I'm going to hang on to that forever. And every time I see that little shit in the yard, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be like, motherfucking him in my head you know just like little son of a bitch oh hi the resentment you know, or the wave. baseball <laughs> yeah, exactly. or both <laughs> the kid so okay got it <laughs> yeah so i will just hang on to that and i will be like okay whatever his parents bought you know a new window for me whatever you know but it's like and yeah you know i make make a glad face and i'll, I'll be nice to them and to their face and stuff but i fucking hate them forever because it's like you inconvenienced me and like at the same time, if my niece came over to my house and did the exact same thing, I would be comforting her and trying to make her mm. feel okay because yes. she would be upset and scared and, you know, and I would not remember in a week that it happened. And with the neighbor kid, he's going to go to college and come back and have a beard and like a Rage Against the Machine shirt. And I'm going to be like, fuck you, you douchebag. <laughs> And I'm going to just like, they're singing about your parents, you idiot. (laughs) So, so like there's, I always, and and you know, there's the thing, like you mentioned, like the big resentments and stuff. There's this thing that I've, that I have found in my inventories, a lot of them, not always, but where there's, I have this crystal clear view and you find it working with people, you know, new people you know, people you sponsor and stuff, this crystal clear perception of somebody else's bullshit and like approaching a, a, a real fir- first, fourth step, like those first two columns, I'm like, Oh, I'm zoning in on you, mom, dad, whatever, you know, the big ones where it's like, you're, you're fucking this and you lie to get things you want and you're, you know, and I'm like describing mm-hmm. the actor character from the book basically. And then by the time I get to column four, I'm just like, I'm doing, I'm doing all of that to them. So how do I get that turn where now that same, that perceptual shift happens, that same logic applies to me, just like the grace I can extend to my, my niece instinctively. Now I get to apply this newfound logic and this new clarity to my own shit and not just see other people's shit crystal clear. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, this is like, I love what you just described. And what you made me think of is, for me, this was the step where I start to discover that I see the world in very black and white terms, and mm-hmm. God lives in the gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is to me, like, um, it's the same thing you hear at meetings all the time. It's like, oh, the guy cuts you off in traffic, but you don't know what he, that he's racing to the hospital to be with his fucking dying mom. You know what I mean? It's like, um, but like you said, like when I'm unrecovered, everything is happening to me. There's no context. There's no anybody else. So uh, I wanted to just, when when uh, John was talking about the prayer, right? So again, I'm going to front door shit on this because it's talking about, <laughs> this is when you hear, I think that a misconstrued, like out of context, handed 
right? Oh, I just hand over my resentment. Mm. I just hand it to God, hand it to God. The fuck are you talking about? It does say that, you know, in the third step already, it's it's alluding to the fact that I'm probably the root of the problem, like myself said in a way that I need the world to be. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm selfish and that might be the problem, but I donate to Greenpeace. So probably not, you know, but I'm at least open to looking at it. So when we get here, it's like, you know, this is a sick man like me, and how can I be helpful to him? And, mm-hmm. and I need God's help to do that and looking at it from a different angle. But that's not all we have to do. We aren't just praying for the other guy ever. Like it doesn't say even mm-hmm. in step 10 or any of the other inventories that we're just praying for people. That's not what it says. It says that that every single one of these resentments, if I'm upset, I have to look at my part. I have to dig down into what's actually going on within me. It never says that I just hand it over, you know, because I actually can't do that. If I could just hand it over, we could stop at step three. If I had some just way to win an agitated pause and then give it to God, you know, like we wouldn't need to be here. That'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it says that I have to constantly do that. And I think that Fred was allu- was talking about how, or one of you, that, that I don't s- always see it in myself, okay? And even no matter how long I'm sober, I keep thinking I need a AA 2.0 for like the, the undergraduates or like, you know, the post, the advanced placement AA for this problem. But the truth is, is I just don't always see my own alcoholism. I can see through your alcoholism like i can see through you like glass give me a problem i'll work it out like this you know but i can't see my own and so that's why it does say in here a couple of times in different inventories that we need other people to do this with us because first of all i can't just pray it away but second of all i can't always see it in myself you know i still have i could give you right now like bullet point presentations about political parties and how they are wrong and affecting (laughs) me in my life right causing disturbances the justified resentments right i could give that to you but if i want to be free of any of this first of all i can't just pray it away and um i have to find really what is in me that's being agnostic being disturbed being fearful um the way that i'm trying to play god in my life because the truth is is i resent nothing when I'm not trying to be God. God can rule the world when I'm not trying to. That's the only way I can accept this is when I'm not actively trying to play God. Yeah, and I think that like that prayer is a powerful tool for someone writing inventory. And mm-hmm. hopefully you smash out five, six, seven, eight, and you start making amends within a couple days. And then you're given these tools of steps 10 and 11. And then you're given some real powerful shit there to be, you know, doing this kind of, you know, squished together four through nine thing and 10. And, you know, the way I look at that is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to continue to address the stuff that Fred was talking about causes and conditions. I'm going to see that stuff, bounce it off somebody, you know, ask God to remove it and take action on that. Go help somebody. So I'm going to get kind of cleaned out again. And then in 11, I'm going to fill back up. And then in 12, I'm going to go take that to somebody. And so that's why it works so well, this 10 and 11 and 12 thing. And to your point, the thing that sticks in my craw about that, like bullshit kind of slogan thing with that prayer is like that prayer is asking for me, God, help me save me from being angry because two pages earlier, this book 
called Alcoholics Anonymous said that resentment kills more alcoholics than anything else. So not Jim Beam and not tequila, but resentment, right? And so, so on that, like, it may be important to follow the instructions as written if it's our number one offender. If it's the number one reason I die, we should probably get this part right. We should probably dive into this. Uh, you know, for, ha- I want to ask you both how quickly you take your sponsees because, you know, my, my blanket statement is no one that I know who has what I want has taught this slowly or has gone through it slowly to get relief. So just going to ask. I was talking for a oh, while. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, so from start to finish or just to the fourth step? Either. Okay, Both. so start to finish. I was sponsoring people uh, at five months, and the longest part of that was probably the fourth step. Um, it probably took me like a month to do it. Um, and that's because my sponsor and I did it together. And we could only meet for one hour a week because I was in a rehab, like a lockdown rehab. And so when we got to the very end, we got to like seven or eight of them done. He was like, all right, just go knock out the last two. And next week we'll do your fifth step. Um, But uh, after that, it all, I mean, it all went really quickly. Um, But yeah, it took, it took like a month to read, to do the, to do the process. And then what about you, John? Uh, I have a kind of weird situation with that just cause, so I, like I, I got, took my last drink on like the second of the month. And then by the 29th, I was in 10, 11 and 12 and the 10 set promises happened. Um, it was very rapid, you know, comparably, um, controversial but, even but but mm. and i was sponsoring i i picked up a sponsee i think i had 26 days 20 25 26 days um because i was at step 12 <laughs> uh yes. it was it was scary and but that was like my sponsor who had you know shown me through a, the bulk of the process was like now you do this so yes you've, you've got a week to find a sponsee but the reason i say it was a weird situation is because I didn't have a sponsor until I had a completed four step and I was, I, 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 I was going up to people at meetings and saying, Hey dude, who I am humbling myself to and saying, Hey, will you help me? Cause I heard some modicum of something that made sense. Um, I accepted one and two. I, I took step three, uh, on my knees with my wife at home. And I have a completed four step sitting in my car right now. Will you help me? And had people tell me uh, in very elongated terms, no, I will not help you. So I, by, by absolute, absolute divine intervention, the grace of God stuff, I, in a very strange way, found a sponsor who just happened to live like really close to me. And within yeah i mean within a week and a half two weeks i was just smashed all the way into step step 10 11 you know and uh just did it so really the bulk of all that stuff after i had done the four step the rest of it was like 10 days maybe you know so like like that's 
those are my favorite people in AA, to be honest. And um, my experience is the same is, is that uh, we started the steps on day two of sobriety. We did one through three in a couple of hours and started on step four the next week and was did step four in its entirety. I was, you know, through the steps in the first 30 days and had my first sponsee at 34 because that's nice. what it says. And nobody, nobody ever, you know, I, she didn't prepare me for the fact that even though that's what the book says that Fred and I always talk about like that you have to defend AA and AA at this point. And people would be like, you're not on step nine. You're at step one. You've been here a week. Mm. And I'm like, fuck off. You're on step one, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and with my sponsees today, you know, I teach this that we can do this as quickly as you need to. Um, that's when the recovery rate was the best is when people. And the reason when we're talking, I brought this up in step four is because if I sit there in step nine long enough, if I take too much time between step four and step nine, even today in too much time in between the resentment and the amends, I'm going to justify the shit out of that. It's not needing to be done. Yeah. And I do that with my family. I do that with people in AA. I do that with my life today. So, you know, when that's why I brought up the question now is like, when I don't have any breathing room, when I'm confronted with the facts about who and what I am and the positions that I put myself in to be hurt and the harm, the deep tornado of destruction that I was in my life, um, and then get my ass kicked into step nine. I mean, there's so much willingness and power there. And um, I believe that that's basis of my my recovery. The foundation of my recovery was doing that quickly. And you are by the grace of God. I love what John said that that um, you were kept sober because what the book promises is just as long as you're willing. And you were willing the whole time, and God kept you sober. That's that's what I read from that. <laughs> so, twelve questions with our guest, Agent X. Can't wait. Amazing. Question number one. How long did it take you to do the steps? 30 days. Nice. Uh, What is your least favorite AA slogan and why? Uh, Just don't drink it, go to meetings, because that'll fucking kill a real alcoholic. Agreed. Awesome. When did you feel the nearness of your creator? At the end of step four, when I realized that everything that I thought was untrue. Mm. Awesome. How many people have you sponsored? There, I couldn't count. I couldn't give you an, uh, over a hundred in four years. That's that's the kind of answer that we like to hear. <laughs> it's like every time, every time they say, everybody says, "I don't know." Yeah, I can't and, remember. And, I have no way. I and if I was, yeah, there's no way. If I, uh, I did count for a while, but it was all an ego thing. As soon as I realized I had no power right. or control, I had to let that go. Yeah, a yeah. lot, as many as God wanted, and still does. <laughs> Beautiful. Have you heard a fifth step that did not include weird sex stuff? Oh, I'm so bored at fifth steps. Maybe, but I, to be honest, I don't get a lot of juicy stuff and uh, I get bored. Probably because the depth of my fifth step, I'm not impressed by you. So as soon as we get to your system, I'm like, this is super boring. So hopefully that's good news. You know, I'm never impressed. Okay. Um, when was the last time you heard someone's fifth step? Uh, three weeks ago. Cool. Uh, at least two weeks. Yeah, like at least every 
So uh, my my sponsorship, what God has just strangely put out for me is I have two to three people in the steps every week. Like I said, I pick a day with sponsees that they can commit to. So uh, three days a week, at least, I have someone doing their step work. And for the, some reason, they seem to be all about on the same cycle. And the second someone gets through step 12, within 12 hours, God will have someone call me to ask to sponsor them. It's just dope. It's just me and God's little factory. Awesome. Very cool. Outside of sponsees and or preparing for sponsees, how much time have you spent studying the big book? None. <laughs> I mean, I, I learn AA by teaching AA. So I learn this book by teaching it. Uh, when I need some of my prayer meditation is just opening the book and reading through it with God. But to be honest, I've learned the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous simply by teaching it. You know, I to being taken through the steps quickly with a sponsor, you know, I learned like 0.5% of what I know today about AA. Um, I, and I say that to sponsees, you know, at, at 30 days sober, she gave me the sponsorship book to copy into my own sponsorship book and said, go help people. And I said, well, bitches are about to die because I thought I didn't know enough. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And now today, you know, years in everything I know is simply by the act of teaching it to other people. So I don't actually study it. I teach it to learn. Nice. Um, Bill or Bob? Absolutely, Bill. Oh, my God. I am Bill. He, oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> You're going to lose all respect. It's our first Bill. You're hey, our first Bill. Bill. No, I, I love it. I am Bill. I fucking am Bill. Like, <laughs> um, so Bill died on my birthday but 10 years previous to the point i like bill so much that i almost believe i'm bill reincarnated and here's why <laughs> oh he loved God. women if he were to come back he'd probably look a little bit like this right like he loves women <laughs> and he was just a piece of shit and that's why i relate to him like if bill was a saint this book wouldn't have worked for me the fact that he was money hungry and an adulterer and so self-centered and kept going after the superficial stuff, I relate to him. I relate to his dirt. I relate to how gross he is, you know? And um, yeah, I'm, I'm the new Bill W, baby. Call me Bill W. <laughs> Dang it. Did it again. Sorry, guys. I don't Call know. you Agent, Agent XW. Sure. <laughs> Agent XW. I'm not sure what you mean by adulterer because I don't know, maybe you read a different Bill story than I did, but loyalty to his wife helped at oh. time by extreme drunkenness <laughs> kept him out of those scrapes. Yeah, I like I like how he skims so over he and he's like, well, cheated on his wife. Yeah, I was pretty, I was uh, faithful because of whiskey dick. Yeah, no, I was either faithful or I couldn't get it up. But either way, I never cheated on her. Hey, the fuck? So I didn't believe this. And I actually made people show me that he was an adulterer because I thought it was one of those like total AA myths. But Bill actually left part of AA to his mistress. So if he wasn't screwing her, I highly doubt that. <laughs> but that's me. That's why I love Bill. That's I do that. That's awesome. The best. I love Bill. Uh, okay. How did your sponsor approach you? She said, uh, my first meeting, I threw a temper tantrum and I said, I'm also happy that you're sober, but I'm dying. 
here and when's someone going to tell me how the fuck to get sober and she um was sitting in front of me and gave me a card that said if you want someone to take you through your steps i will and i thought she had some balls on her to offer to fix someone like me and i called her immediately and she came to my house the next day my sponsor told me that you know she needs to make it as abundantly easy for a suffering alcoholic to get sober as uh if they're willing that she'll do anything and that's my motto today i'm going to make it as easy as possible for you to recover if you are willing and want to so uh, mm. i'm not going to make you approach me you know if you're in a meeting saying you're dying nice. i'm going to i'm going to do that because i'm going to make it easy for you to recover if you're willing and we'll get that out of the way real quick whether or not you call so it's cool. yeah. awesome okay keeping with my kind of four-step theme here um, would you say you've lost more sponsees at steps four slash five or at steps eight slash nine? I lose them at 12 and three, to be honest. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I lose them at 12 and three. Either you're not into it from the beginning or you're not going to help other people when you drink again. I don't have, you know, I had someone drink at step nine, but, uh, but it's not that I, I lose them right after three, after the first time we meet and they're like, not, not willing enough. Um, so definitely be towards four, not at nine. Okay. Uh, how many meetings do you attend weekly? Oh God! I say this you can give the answer. You can give the answer in both Zoom times and non-Zoom times. So non-Zoom times, I'm only attending one meeting a week because most of my 12-step work is in person with sponsees or at rehabs. Um, so there is one that I'm committed to, but the other reason is I haven't found my fellowship in, in Australia. And I know like, it's like, oh, boohoo, but it just, uh, I haven't found a cohesive message. So there is only one, uh, in zoom time, I have been gifted by God, the greatest experiences in my life. This is the happiest I've ever and the most connected so uh, i got a couple i got a one in adelaide i didn't know existed one up in the mountains and i'm with you guys um from overseas so uh actually one like four or five a week which is awesome nice cool okay and my final question what's the longest you've seen someone push off completing a four step and still get through all 12 and recover i don't I don't let them go more than a week. Well, okay, so I give so you like three you just drop somebody out. if they're dragging it out. Absolutely, because we're missing a point, you know. And and so I, I another thing I don't think I'd like talked about. I see the fourth step as my pain. I see it as to why I'm in pain sober. So uh, and why I can't stay sober is because mm-hmm. I believe that I'm in this much pain. Being sober is a problem for me. Like the pain I feel sober is the problem for me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's that that was the reason I was in pain was the beginning of the fourth step. And only after the end do I get that relief. So I'm not going to let you dick around. First of all, because you're going to be annoying and constantly tell me about all your resentments, right? Like, uh, so... So I will give you uh, two cancellations for our weekly meeting. And if not, you're just not willing, you know? Um, And uh, yeah, so I don't let it take longer. Uh, Have I seen anyone? No, no, I haven't. Mm. The people who are sober today do it quickly, immediately, thoroughly with me or without, but uh, no longer than a week. Nice. Bonus question. Okay. Um, How do you define 13th stepping? Uh, that is having sex with newcomers or having sex with anyone or even even hitting on anyone before they've completed their 12 steps. 
However, the big book does not say that you you can't date in your first year. So I say, listen, I'm not going to be the arbitrator of your sex life, but you aren't going to fuck people before they're done with their 12 steps. And uh, how about you hold off dating till you're done with your amends? That's all I say to them. Or at least your sexual inventory. Yeah, at let's least get an ideal inventory. established here. I mean, at least at least let's <laughs> have a sexual ideal, ideal right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Small inventory. Well, Agent X, this has been educational and very, very awesome. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I, so I hope that you. I hope you, you dug it as much as we did. Absolutely, you guys are some of my favorite people in AA, and it's just been a real gift to me getting to know you guys. So I love you so much, but thank you for having me. I I'll know, talk we, to you soon. We both agree. So. Thank you for doing this. I'm sure we'll have you back. Hopefully. <laughs> this has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.